0: And welcome to Shoot This Now, where every week we talk about true stories that we think should be made into movies or TV shows. And I'm joined here with my co-host, the one and only...
1: Hi, I'm Tim Malloy. Welcome to our 50th episode.
0: Fireworks.
1: I thought we could celebrate by doing the same thing we always do.
0: We always do for anniversaries. You mean... So, nothing. Oh, God.
1: uh, Dear listener, we are married people, and my wife is taking the piss out of me, as her Irish ancestors would say. I'm kidding. Yeah. So you have a great idea this week.
0: I do. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to talk about two women, identical twin sisters, Madeline and Margaret de Jesus. And they're best known for their appearance at the 1984 Summer Olympics where Madeline qualified in the long jump and the 4x400 meter relay. And Margaret was also a competitive runner, but she did not qualify for the game, so she was just there supporting her sister. Hmm. But that didn't stop her from getting in on the action,
1: interestingly so, enough. So it sounds like this is the story of one twin who participated and another twin who watched from the sidelines and just cheered her on, right?
0: Well, there's got to be a twist, him, right?
1: So it's the story of how one person played by the rules and did things totally honestly... And the other just, you know, rah, rod, rod.
0: There's even more of a twist. Huh? What it's, happened? It's super twisty.
1: Okay, all right.
0: So, or twisted, as the kids say. Yeah. So, while competing in the long jump, uh, Madeline injured her hamstring, and she was unable to run in the relay. And rather than let an alternate run or talk to her teammates or the coaches about, you know, what what they might do, she thought. Why don't I just enlist my twin sister as an imposter what? for the qualifying heat? So her twin sister, her identical twin sister, ran in her place. Um, she ran the second leg of the qualifying round, and the team actually advanced. She did really well. <laughs> um,
1: so the they, they cheated at the Olympics.
0: They cheated at the Olympics. Okay. Um, and when the chief coach of their team learned of the ruse, uh, he pulled his team out of the final. So it was all in vain.
1: I think this is such a good idea that we have put pause on the movie we were watching, Liam Neeson's Nonstop.:
0: We did pause Liam Neeson's nonstop, which we were w- watching sort of in because Lupita is in it.
1: yeah, last last night we saw a screening of Us, which is so good that we were willing to see another Lupita movie nonstop, which is as bad as Us is good.
0: Agreed. And the even sadder part of nonstop is I realized about 10 minutes in that I'd seen it before.
1: Because it is indistinguishable from every other Liam Neeson movie and also from Passenger 57 and also a little bit of Red Eye. Agreed. But Lupita Nyong'o is pretty good in it so far.
0: So far, she's great. Yeah. I mean, her performance in Us is spectacular. Yeah. I don't know how that will ever be surpassed.
1: Yeah. Um, and
0: that movie itself is an A plus in my book.
1: Me too. I loved it. And I really like the topic that you're talking about today because it also gets into, uh, let's say, the theme of duality.
0: Sure. It sure does. (laughs) Um, So I didn't pick this topic, though, because of us. I I actually thought it was interesting because of the college admissions bribery scandal that broke last week.
1: Um, I I haven't heard much about that. You haven't heard anything about
0: that? Oh, interesting. I'm sorry. Um, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, among others, were arrested for conspiring with other people to use bribery and other forms of fraud to get their entitled children admitted to top colleges and universities. Mm. Um, and according to the court documents, in some cases, people posed as students to take tests for them, like the SAT or the ACT. Mm. So they essentially posed as the student as Margaret posed as her sister, Madeline.
1: Well, didn't people also pose as athletes?
0: Oh, they sure did. Yeah, so, I think Lori Laughlin's daughters pretended they were on the crew team um, to get into USC. Fabulous. And I went to Syracuse and the crew team, I knew a lot of members of the crew team, and they were very athletic, you know, formidable folks. They weren't right. petite uh, social influencers. If you catch my drift.
1: Weren't you like a coxswain on the crew team or something? I was for like five minutes. Okay. Yeah. But you're, you're athletic. Um, you, you like the stars of our story today. The twin sisters at the heart of our story today are very into running, very good at things like this. And I think this probably has a special place in your heart. Like it does for me. I also like running a lot.
0: Sure. I, of course I love running. Uh, and I I thought the story was just really interesting and kind of hard to believe. And we'll get into some more of it if you're interested.
1: Yeah, should we get into our segments?
0: Let's do it. So, we already got through our first segment of who or what are we talking about and why now? Yeah. So, let's move in to our next segment, which is the scenes or themes that we think are may define the story or are, would we want to be part of the narrative?
1: Can we add a new segment first? Sure. The this meets this segment. That's the comp segment, the segment where we say this story is like this thing plus this thing. Sure. What is this thing like?
0: I think it's sort of like Chariots of Fire meets that Kevin Spacey movie about the cheating college students
1: who play poker. What was that?
0: Yeah. You know that one?
1: Well, we brought up Liam Neeson and Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Just a few minutes in. This is going great. What's the name of that movie? I, I know which one you mean. It's like 21 or something.
0: I think that's right. Yeah. Or oh, oh. Chariots of Fire and that Leonardo DiCaprio movie where Catch Me If You Can. So Catch Me If You Can meets Chariots of Fire.
1: 21 being the Kevin Spacey movie where he like helps college students do like a heist. like a. I think he
0: helps college students master or manipulate the game of either poker or blackjack. I'm assuming it's blackjack if it's called 21. Yeah. I I saw it many moons ago. Yeah, I saw it in a theater. Same. Yeah. I remember liking it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. So, on to our next section. Able to separate the art from the artist. (laughs) (laughs) So, our next segment is our themes and scenes. And... I think the first I want to talk about is twin life, I'm going to call it. Oh, cool. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit about these women. There's not a lot of information about them, but they were born in Brooklyn, but they grew up in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico, which is part of San Juan. Cool. Um, like I said, I don't know a ton about them, so I had to kind of um, just think about a few things that we that may have shaped their lives, maybe yeah. making a few assumptions, if you will. Okay. So one that I think is kind of interesting.
1: and so This is going to be like a based on a true story rather than this is a rigorously researched, absolutely true story.
0: Exactly. Gotcha. Yes. So in 1966, the Central American and Caribbean Games were held in Puerto Rico, and there were almost 1,700 athletes there. It was a huge event. So thinking about this happening right when they were in their developing years, I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming they were in training for throughout their formative years. So what did that consist of? They are running. They're probably, you know, doing constant laps, doing pacing exercises, lifting weights. We're seeing kind of that uh, montage maybe of all the different training exercises they'd have to do as Olympic athletes, Olympic caliber athletes.
1: And this is an early 80s Puerto Rican training montage. So I think they're going to be really sympathetic because they're going to be wearing some incredibly great outfits. Definitely. It's going to be like the weird, like 80 shorts. They're probably wearing like striped socks. Um, It's Puerto Rico. So it's probably like not the most, you know, slick training facility.
0: Exactly. So. Yes. Yeah.
1: I'm going to, I like them after this. Yeah. I like them too. Yeah.
0: Um, And I think maybe there's some competition between them. Right. And maybe that's what helped made them better. Maybe the fact that they were twins is what ultimately helped one of them get to the olympics love that idea even though technically they both got to the olympics
1: i think about this all the time like if you want to be a better runner you don't want to be more comfortable you want to be less comfortable mm-hmm. you want somebody pushing you to run faster and harder yeah it's it's that old thing about like don't don't pray for no obstacles pray for the strength to overcome obstacles
0: exactly yeah. i like that we should make like a little canvas sign out of that yeah and hang it up in our living room cool And then, yeah, and the fact that they were twins, like I want to explore what it's like to be a twin, like that closeness, um, that intense level of closeness and similarity that would ultimately make Margaret do something pretty unfathomable for her sister. So, you know, so kind of exploring that twin dynamic of closeness and similarity and that idea of being your built-in best friend that you kind of hear anecdotally that a lot of identical twins feel.
1: Well, being a twin is so interesting because it comes with the built-in advantage of having this automatic friend and this person who really knows you very closely. I mean, much mm-hmm. more than a friend. No one will ever be closer to you than your twin. But at the same time, you're always sort of kind of cursed with having people see you and the twin as the same person in a way. Right, like exactly. As, as inextricably linked. Um, and it's very hard to... I think it, I imagine it would be harder to be an individual if you have a twin.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the irony, that instead of pushing back on that, they use that to their advantage. And they almost accept the fact that no one could tell them apart. So they might as well just essentially be one person in the Olympic games. Wow. You know? So the second kind of theme scene, I guess, is actually the Olympics themselves and then the city of Los Angeles where they were set in. Um, I want to help listeners kind of understand the backdrop against Madeline's decision to pull the switcheroo. Yeah. Um, when I was reaching this researching this story, I thought a, a lot about why Madeline wanted her sister to run. Did she intend to keep the charade going, like after the race? Was she just trying to get the glory? Like from her perspective, was it she was running, even though it was her sister? Because perception is reality. If everyone right. thought that Madeline was running, Madeline was running. Yeah. Who's right. She running
1: for for herself yeah. or for her sister, and that or for her country. Them.
0: Like, what was the motivation behind this? Um, my hypothesis is the magnificence of the games, the allure of the city of angels and the thrill of winning kind of just all simultaneously overtook her better
1: senses. Can I mention two things? Sure. There are two strong memories I have of growing up in, in Los Angeles around this time. Mm -hmm. One is my parents waking me up early to go see the Olympic torch. Yes. Be carried through Los Angeles. Do you know
0: who was, who one of the people who was,
1: no do you was not one of them
0: do you know who carried that one of the people who carried the torch in los angeles who oj simpson
1: are you serious yes i was kind of gonna guess bruce jenner
0: no oj that's crazy Bruce jenner may have as well but oj definitely did
1: that's so crazy yeah. well mm-hmm. i don't think i still i don't remember who i saw i remember it was a female runner um but i was very like oh that's really cool that's the olympic torch and i want to know how they kept it a lit and things like that kept it lit a lit that's not a word kept it lit Olympic torch was lit, y'all.
0: I don't think you're, I think you're past the age of being able to say lit, just FYI. Well,
1: it was actually lit, as in a fire being lit. I think then you say a flame. Okay, it was a flame, and I had questions about that. By the way, I was eight when I did say it, so I was allowed to say lit.
0: Fair enough. Okay.
1: Um, so there was that, and the other was, interestingly enough, going to Hands Across America, which features prominently in the movie uh-huh.
0: Us. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, this was a really, really big deal for L.A. I mean, murals went up. Mm-hmm. It, it was. I have such vivid memories of like the color and the light of L.A. at that time and how it was kind of like still like a bit of a gritty city, like there was smog and there was a lot of like it just felt kind of like dirty, but more natural in a way than it mm-hmm. does now.
0: OK. Yeah. All right. It was like
1: it was just so much less developed, like there was yeah. just more dust and more dust in the air. And it was kind of nice.
0: Uh, I mean, a couple things to keep in mind. I'm just going to paint the picture a little bit for um, our listeners. So this is the first Olympics the U.S. have participated in in eight years because of the boycott in 1980. So that even raised the stakes even more. Um, The logo for the 84 Games brand was called Stars in Motion, and it featured red, white, and blue stars arranged horizontally and struck through with alternating streaks. The official mascot of the Games was Sam the Olympic Eagle.
1: I remember him well. Do you? I certainly do.
0: And then John Williams, your favorite, Mm -hmm. who we've seen many, many times Mm -hmm. perform. Um, He composed the themes for the Olympiad called Olympic Fanfare and Theme, which won a Grammy, and everybody and their mom will recognize this song now.
1: This is also, 1984 is kind of like peak LA when you think of stereotypical LA. The year before Randy Newman's I Love LA comes out, this is when Brady Sinellis is writing less than zero. I mean, this is like such We got a, our
0: hair bands up on Sunset Boulevard. Hair bands
1: are just starting to take oh, off. hello. Like Van Halen, which is a very, not necessarily LA, but very SoCal band, comes out with the album 1984. It's like, when you're thinking of like stereotypical LA, you're thinking of 1984.
0: Love it. Um, and then at the games themselves, there were a couple, I'll just sprinkle off a few competitive highlights. Carl Lewis, who I remember really well from probably 88, um, he won four gold medals. Nice. France beat Brazil in the soccer or football finals, depending on where you're listening from. And Li Ning won six medals in men's gymnastics, earning him the title of the Prince of Gymnasts <laughs> in his native China. Wow. That's a pretty cool title.
1: Oh, hi. I'm the Prince of Gymnasts. Nice Do you think to meet he you.
0: refers to himself as that?
1: I think he's like... When he's 70 years old, he's like, hello, I'm the Prince of Gymnasts.
0: I will say I would go see a movie called The Prince of Gymnasts.
1: I would, too, especially if it was a movie with, like, Will Ferrell in it playing the Prince of Gymnasts.
0: Right. That's not what I was thinking, but sure, (laughs) I would probably see that, too. It's like the sequel to Blades of Glory or whatever, that terrible movie he made. I like that movie. Well, he's... um, He's bulletproof in your mind. He's pretty good. So that's the Olympics. That's the setting. That's the background um, against which Madeline and Margaret pulled off their little stunt. Um, and then I'm going to jump to the next theme or scene, which is the the uh, event itself. The switcheroo is what I'm calling it.
1: I like calling it the switcheroo. Yes. That could also be the name of the whole thing. That could be. Um, when we get to that. And I just really want to make sure this movie has a montage of these two Puerto Rican sisters who are like 26.
0: They're 26, yes.
1: Like showing up in L.A. and doing all of the L.A. stuff.
0: I mean, can, can we have a Rodeo Drive scene or is that already, is that Pesse?
1: Can we not have a Rodeo Drive scene? I don't know how you make this movie without there being a Rodeo Drive scene.
0: Can we just do the exact same scene as for New Woman?
1: Yeah. We do you think do, anyone will notice? Yes, we can do the exact same scene and it has to be to either like Van Halen or... Randy Newman, or it could be like, um, why
0: don't they just go to like the troubadour and like hook up with some
1: (laughs) hook up with Axl Rose.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Or Tommy Lee. This was before he met Pamela Anderson. So he was probably, you know, or although Heather Locklear was in the mix around then too, I think. So, um, like I said, Madeline qualified for two events. She injured herself in the first in the long jump, um, pulled a hamstring, I believe. Um, she did not tell her coach. She didn't. She didn't request a backup, um, but she did enlist her t- her identical twin sister. So, at first, I thought I had read that the coach is the one who kind of discovered the ruse. Like, but according to a story in Remezcla, reported by Yara Simon, a journalist busted them.
1: Man. And now get this,
0: Tim. I know you're, you're proud as a peacock. I'm not. That's a whack-ass journalist. But this journalist covered the twins and knew they were indistinguishable save for a beauty mark one had on her cheek. How about that?
1: All right. On the one hand, that journalist is a great journalist for knowing that level of detail. Agreed. On the other hand, and out of professional courtesy, I have to have a lot of respect for what they did as a journalist myself. But that journalist is also a snitch.
0: He is a snitch, or she's a snitch. I don't know um, the gender of this particular journalist, but that observation is just spectacular. So I'm a, I'm team journalist on, on this one. Okay. Well,
1: as a journalist, I respectfully think that one was a snitch.
0: Okay. Fair enough. So the chief coach for Puerto Rico, Freddie Vargas, uh, ended up pulling the team out of the con- competition after he found this out. So. All of the other women on the relay suffered the consequences. About two months after the switcheroo, the Puerto Rican Olympic Committee banned the sisters, both of them, from participating in future events. Um, The relay team's coach and trainer, Francisco Colon Allers, received a matching lifetime ban. What? So there was the relay coach, who apparently knew, but there's conflicting reports. In some of the testimony, Madeline says he did know he says he didn't think they'd
1: actually go through with it. They're banned for doing the funniest thing anyone's ever done at the Olympics. For life, apparently. That's hilarious. I know. And if you have a twin, I think you have to do that at some point. It, maybe it's like you pull a trick by like, tricking your teacher or something like every twin has or done. Or you go
0: on a date. Like That's like, what everyone does. Like, you go on a date. There
1: has to be a scene early on where they're, watching, an exam. where they're watching a sitcom where like, the, they do the twin date trick. Right. You should not have sex with the, the twins, uh, bro, girlfriend or boyfriend. That is a, that's going too far. It's probably going too far. But like going to a movie and seeing how long it takes them to catch on, that's just a good test.
0: It's a great test. So, like I said, after the switcheroo, um, the Puerto Rican committee bans the sisters. The other sad thing is the other members of the relay were also suspended for a year, which I thought was kind of cruel. Unless they were in on the hoax and the heist, but I'm not sure if they were.
1: But one of them didn't get to run because the sister jumped in. So I feel like they're getting double punished.
0: I think they were being double punished, and then they double also, punished double another punished. possible title. Oh, that's a really that's a brilliant title, wow. Tim. I think what's interesting here is in this in this theme scene, we kind of have both, you know, in screen terms, we have. Dark Knight of the Soul, the pulled hamstring. And then we also have All is Lost when she actually, they find out what happened.
1: For the three non-screenwriters among our four listeners, um, Dark Knight of the Soul refers to like the absolute lowest point in the story.
0: The second
1: lowest, I believe. And what was the other one you mentioned? All is Lost. All is Lost is like, there's no going back. Right. Thanos has snapped his fingers.
0: Thanos has snapped his fingers.
1: And snapped the hamstring. Thanos snapped his hamstring. He d- destroyed half the hamstrings in the world. Right. And the Achilles while he was at it. And you need two hamstrings or you can't and run. And the
0: meniscuses.
1: Yeah. Ooh, that's Ouch. a sore point. That's the reason I can't run as a I'm meniscus. I'm sorry. Tonight. That was a low I, blow. That was, I mean, the other jokes and stuff. I know. That was okay. But yeah, no, no meniscus jokes here.
0: How much is one meniscus joke per podcast? We're done, though. Just one per We're podcast. No more
1: after, after today, though. You're right. Okay. Yeah, just okay.
0: one next week, too. So they, they're suspended, of course, but I think what goes down must go back up, right? Isn't well, that the expression?
1: That's like the Kurt Vonnegut shape of a story thing Yeah, two of our three screenwriter listeners. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm not to say, this isn't to say that suddenly um, there was this huge redemption for these women, but as it turns out, Madeline's antics didn't actually earn her a lifetime suspension hmm. um, because by 1988 she once again made the Olympic team and headed to Mexico City to compete in the long jump. Um, She didn't do very well. I think she placed 21st or something like that, but she did it on her own.
1: No sister. No sister. Where was her sister?
0: I'm not sure where her sister was, unfortunately. I couldn't find that.
1: Hopefully in the stands where she belongs. Hopefully in the stands. I mean, she could have been. Nothing against her. Just if you're not on the team, you should not be on the team. Agreed. That's all I'm saying.
0: Like, earn your own spot, sis.
1: I'm sure she was great. And if she had gotten on the team, which she narrowly didn't, yeah.
0: So, I mean, I think ultimately what I think this is is it's kind of a love story. You know, I think Margaret ran the race for her sister. um, And maybe they saw each other as extensions of themselves. Hmm. So, I still feel like even though they ultimately – you know disgraced puerto rico and their teammates to a certain eh, extent i feel like the maybe word there was some gets... altruism in there maybe they did do it because they were they wanted to support each other and and um you know maybe maybe margaret really was running vicariously or or madeline was running vicariously through margaret i mean it's quite feasible so i think that sisterly love and that sisterly bond was always there and i think it's important that we see them together again at the end. Be are jogging as like middle-aged women.
1: My perspective is what they did is really cool. They traveled all this way to get to the Olympic Games. You're only going to be in LA in 1984 once. You're only going to be in the Olympics once, probably. Go for it. Don't lose your chance. I think it's hilarious. It's pretty low stakes. There's not really any money involved in the Olympics. She did the Olympics. Why not? It's a track and field event. We don't even remember who won. Is we that, don't know who got the gold in that.
0: So is that your title? Cheat at the Olympics. Why not?
1: Mine is, it's what's more important to you, your family or the sanctity of the Olympics in Los Angeles in 1984. You're only getting one chance at this. Go for it.
0: All right. I hear you.
1: It's a better story. Fair enough. Um, I think what they did is funny. Uh, I never watched the Olympics. This is my favorite thing I've heard about the Olympics in about 30 years.
0: I think it's pretty great. I mean, I do have some empathy for the people who spend their entire lives working day in and day out to get to the Olympics and have their moment on the stage. Hmm. But, you know, that's just me.
1: That's a perspective. That's true.
0: That is a perspective.
1: Also, if it was like somebody who was a huge crushing victor all the time, if it was like Michael Phelps and Michael Phelps had cheated, it'd be different. But this is like their one shot.
0: I mean, the, the only thing that I kind of makes me not feel too angry with them is I don't think the Puerto Rican relay team really had a chance. It doesn't sound like, so it's not like they cost their teammates a medal.
1: Well, did they cost anyone a medal? I mean, did they get the bronze or the silver or the gold? No. So who's harmed?
0: I think it's just integrity issue, Tim. Honor. Are you familiar with that word? No, no, I didn't think so.
1: Yeah. Um, I I like this story.
0: I do too. I
1: like they did this. I think their sisterly bond is more important than the sanctity of ninth or tenth place.
0: I also think going back to this or that, or it's like this is sort of like this movie and that movie. It also kind of reminds me in a weird way of like, can you ever forgive me? The Melissa McCarthy movie, yeah, definitely. Of like she's doing something kind of bad, but it's sort of good too. You know, I mean, it. she's, like, showcasing her amazing writing in a fraudulent way. But it's, like, in a fraudulent way is kind of in a whisper. It's, like, in a fraudulent way.
1: I forget where I recently heard this. I wish I could give this person credit. But it's, like, just by having somebody as your first-person character, as your as – your, just by having somebody as your lead character, they automatically get the built-in sympathy of the audience, even if they're doing terrible things even if they're trying to escape from the police after killing somebody, you're still kind of rooting for them just because you're seeing things from their perspective. And it's an interesting trick, even if they're doing a bad thing.
0: Totally, yeah. So let's move on to our final segment, uh, the development. Let's talk about how we would make this thing, who might be involved.
1: The people we would like to see doing this. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, directors, have you given any thought?
1: No. No.
0: Okay. I had a few. I was thinking about this one a lot, that you could do it straight, or it could be kind of like a dark, eerie sort of comedy. So for the dark, eerie sort of comedy, I thought it could either be the Polish brothers who did Twin Falls, Idaho. Like, that could be kind of cool, and they're twins. So oh. they might have a really unique take on it. Interesting. I also thought maybe Spike Jones because he did Adaptation, which also featured twins.
1: Oh right, right, right. Okay. And I
0: think it's hard to do that well. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it is hard to do that well. So I thought both of them could have like make it kind of a quirky, dark, comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, then to play it a little more straight, I thought of Karen Kusama, who did Girl Fight. Cool. Um, I have to throw in Gavin O'Connor, even though we've used him <laughs> many, many times before. I'm sorry. Then the one that is really out of left field, and I don't even know if he's working anymore or if he's totally retired, is, I'm going to hopefully pronounce this right, is Donald Shabib. And he directed the film Running Brave back in 1983, Hmm. which was about Billy Mills. And I have such a fond memory of this film, and I remember seeing it as a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time, but the aesthetic, I remember thinking, it felt very real, um, and it featured... You know, this Native American man, Billy Mills, ended up going to the Olympics in, I think, the 60s. So I'm like, maybe he could do it. He also directed the Lonesome Dove miniseries. Oh. Lonesome Dove, favorite book, miniseries,
1: not quite so much, but. All those work for me. Um, I'd love to find somebody who has, like, a dark comic sensibility, too. Yeah. And I don't know who that would be, but I like it.
0: So moving on to the main character, and this would be a tough role because you would, unless we found twins, you'd it would be an actress playing both roles. Right. She'd probably have to be quite athletic, I think, to pull this off. Um, and we both had the same first, the first person that came to mind for both of us was the same. Which was super weird. It was super weird. That doesn't usually happen. No. And that was Gina
1: Rodriguez. Yeah. Gina Rodriguez. Yeah. Jane I, the Virgin.
0: I think she would really... Do I think she's a great actress. I think she would really bring some nice dimension to this role.
1: Um, she's 34. These two sisters are 26, but whatever. She, could pull she
0: off. looks younger.
1: Yeah, she definitely does. She definitely does. Um, her father is also a boxer, I believe.
0: Oh, he could yeah. train her.
1: Um, I mean, she has that kind of athleticism in her family. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
0: A few others I thought of to a lesser degree, um, are Camila Mendez, who's in Riverdale now, um, Natalie Morales, Amy Garcia. Hmm. Um, So I thought they were maybe some interesting choices, although Gina Rodriguez kind of felt right
1: to me. Yeah, I like that she also is Puerto Rican. Um, Exactly. She's the youngest daughter. I mean, she's American, but she's the youngest daughter of Puerto Rican parents. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and her father is a boxing referee. Let me correct myself. Got it. So but he must have boxed before that to become I mean, a referee. He's in the ring. He's in the ring. I mean, yeah, he knows what's up.
0: Cool. Then a couple other roles. Um, I thought Freddie Vargas, who was the chief coach of Puerto Rico, who ultimately pulled the plug. I thought, you know what, we can maybe flesh out that role a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe Benicio del Toro. Oh wow! And then also, it probably wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't find include an actor who had appeared on Sons of Anarchy. So, Jimmy Smits, maybe?
1: I can't believe you didn't say Danny Trejo.
0: Danny Trejo could never be a track and field coach. I love Danny Trejo. I live for him. But Tim.
1: Having never made it through an entire episode of Sons of Anarchy, I am certain that Danny Trejo has been on the show.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. He Back up been, the right? truck. Back up the truck. He Brinks has been, truck. For sure,
1: right? He, of course he's been on the show. It's like.
0: I'm just saying he would, we couldn't cast him as an Olympic track and field coach.
1: Yeah, there's some way to get him in there.
0: There's definitely some way to get him in there, and we'll get him in there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Don't you worry about that. He can just play himself. Okay. Maybe he, could he play Machete? Maybe he could, yeah. He could definitely play Machete in a, in a cameo. Or maybe he's like kind of the fairy godfather type who shows up and takes them to Rodeo Drive for the shopping spree.
0: That could work. Yeah. He's in like a souped up Cadillac. And then he's like, by
1: the way. With pops- like a white cowboy hat. He goes have some donuts, and then he like is in front of Trejo's donuts, and they go like what? And then it just the Cadillac goes by, and, and he disappears. He,
0: and then he's like, and have some tacos, and he's in front of Trejo's tacos. You know, we've never gone to Trejo's tacos. Only Trejo's donuts. Maybe that that needs to change this weekend. Yeah, this is we've the weekend. probably got to sample his fare mm-hmm. before he's a mm-hmm. featured player in our upcoming film.
1: Yeah, because it would be so awkward when it'll be we're so awkward. producing the movie and he's like, oh, so have you guys been to Trejo's Tacos lately? And we're like, uh, yeah. Like, we'd be stuttering. And then we'd like change the subject to say, you know what else is good to the donuts?
0: And we would be like, pow,
1: been yeah. there, done that. Yeah.
0: So the other role, I think, is a, an important one and we have to learn more about this mystery reporter. But for now, I'm going to call them the mystery reporter. Mm-hmm. I mean, call me... dirty, dirty dog, but I don't know how you could do a movie about Puerto Rico or featuring Puerto Ricans and not have a little J-Lo in there. How dare you? Just a
1: sprinkle. How dare you? Just a sprinkle. Do you think J-Lo would do that? I do. Do you think J-Lo would ever rat out the twins? Yes. I don't see it. What about Ricky Martin? Ricky Martin would do it in a second.
0: He was actually really good in um, The Assassination of Johnny Versace. Ricky Martin's great. I know. His acting chops were stronger than I anticipated. Yeah. So maybe Ricky Martin is the mystery reporter and J-Lo is his, like, editor. Ricky Martin's- Maybe J-Lo's his editor.
1: How about that? Is Ricky Martin Puerto Rican? I think so. I thought he was Mexican. No, he's Puerto Rican. I thought he was Mexican because I thought Ricky Martin was in Menudo. Uh,
0: He might have been in Menudo as a Puerto Rican.
1: Do you know the rules of Menudo? No. The rules of Menudo. I don't
0: even know. I don't even think I could name a Menudo song.
1: The rules of Menudo were once you reached a certain age, you were kicked out of Menudo and they replaced you with another kid.
0: What if you were the superstar? What if you were like the Justin Timberlake of Menudo?
1: (laughs) Menudo was like a sci-fi movie. It was like, once you turn this age, you're gone, and we bring in another kid, and you have to go off and make it on your own in the, in the wild.
0: Yeah. Ricky Martin, Enrique Martin Morales, is a Puerto Rican singer, actor, and author.
1: Wow. Was he not in Menudo?
0: I think he was in Menudo. I don't, he was, Tim.
1: It was a starting point for Ricky Martin and Draco Rosa. Yeah, he was in, he Wait was in Menudo. Wait a goddamn minute. I was a racist little kid. Because I always believed that Menudo was Mexican. And Menudo is, in fact, Puerto Rican.
0: What are we going to do with you, Tim?
1: I would like to apologize to all of the Menudo fans in the audience. I was badly misled. This was when I was like eight, Mm-mm. nine years old. Mm-mm-mm. This is around the time that um, Menudo was really hot around the time of the 1984 Olympic Games. And that's when mm-hmm. I was given the misinformation that they Menudo were. was a Mexican group rather than a Puerto Rican group. Does
0: that mean Ricky Martin gets the part?
1: Ricky Martin a 1,000% gets the part, and I would like to personally apologize to Ricky Martin as well.
0: That was very kind of you.
1: I think he'd be great as the rat reporter. I agree. Snitch.
0: You're a snitch. I also think someone I would like to just sprinkle in there as well uh, for a cameo is Edwin Moses. Um, I say this because I just saw him in a documentary, um, and I thought he was quite good, so... Let's just get him in there. He was uh, a 400-meter hurdleist from the U.S. And let's just get him in there, too.
1: Wow. Are you okay with that? I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. I feel like I've...
0: I've, He's not an actor, but he doesn't have to do much in a cameo.
1: I've lost my right to comment on this. You have. With my ignorance.
0: So I know you thought you came up with a number of really great titles. Yeah, Uh, Double Trouble... Through the course of this podcast. Double,
1: but, double Heat.
0: Double Heat. Yep. Uh, Body Double, I think, was another one you came up with.
1: Nope. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. That did come out in 1984, though, I think. <laughs> I think it did, too. Um, to give you another little slice of what 84 was like. It was weird. I
0: think De Palma was going to do. Body Double was supposed to be about the De Jesus twins. And then he got a note from the
1: studio. The studio was like, does it have to be Puerto Rican twins? Could it be like a sexy blonde lady who does In the Hollywood porn? Hills. And yeah, Hollywood Hills. And there's a guy with a telescope. We have a
0: couple notes, De uh, Palma.
1: Could he be a vampire in a movie? Vampires are really hot right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, get rid of the whole Olympics thing. Olympics are over. <laughs> uh, Let's mo- go ahead and move it out of Puerto Rico. How about like a murder mystery? Do you guys like that? I like that. Oh, and could yeah. you use the song Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood? That'd be really hot. Yeah.
0: Right. But I know Body Double was our first choice for a title. It's Taken. We also <laughs> thought about Twins Taken. Ugh. Lame. Lame. But I have a great one anyway. It's even better. Minuto. Nope. So remember, what was the identifiable characteristic of Margaret that a- the reporter noticed? A Beauty Mark. So how about this title? On Your Mark. Pow.
1: Dang. <laughs> wow
0: see right mic drop i've never done a mic drop i'm not gonna start now yeah,
1: that mic is very expensive please don't I, drop that mic dear lord yeah i don't want to go back to sam ash i i'm not spending another
0: entire afternoon at sam ash
1: well it's a great store
0: so that's it tim that's the story
1: i love the story uh thank you for joining us for this our 50th and most contentious episode Uh, and we look forward to seeing you again. If you enjoyed this, please give us five stars on iTunes. Please subscribe to us so that you get our future episodes, whatever weird-ass time they come out, and we'll be back next week with the story of Menudo, a dystopian boy band in a uh, war-torn hellscape forced to perform music until they reach the age of 13, at which time they're kicked out and forced to become adult stars. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, that was after the studio notes. They wanted a dystopian housecape and stuff just to make yeah, it more dramatic. Yeah.
0: And then they wanted them to also move to Orlando mm-hmm. and sing in
1: English yeah, and as it's well. Fi- it's five white girls now.
0: Yeah. It's five white girls. And yeah. um, they have to bleach their hair blonde. And Wade Robeson does their choreography.
1: Okay. We're, we're going now. Thanks very much. And, uh, Thanks for listening.
0: Bye. bye.